All right, Left Brained, Episode 7, From Self-Isolation. Things are going great. Um, nothing going wrong in the country at all. Um, no, I have no recommendations this week um, for music outside of Godspeed You Black Emperor, just to usher in the apocalypse. Um, we do have a guest producer on board this week, which is uh, guest producer wife. She has chosen to sit out the setting and all settings of this podcast in personal protest. And so it seems, you know, I, I don't obviously have anything particularly novel to say about the coronavirus outside of the fact that it's kept me home for two days and I feel like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Um, the first part, not the second part yet. Um, but I think it's interesting to take a look at what's going on with the both the Democratic primary and the kind of bungled, continually bungled response to this crisis by the uh, both the executive and legislative branches of the government. Um, and that can be maybe instructive for anyone who is left-wing, you know, maybe more inclined towards something like socialism, anarchism, uh, communism, um, to see how this, you know, crisis, um, you know, and God forbid, you know, hopefully a low, low, low casualty total in the end, um, fix as quickly as possible, but to see how, regardless, there's going to need to be kind of uh, reckoning and reordering of how our society works. And this is maybe the moment to, you know, if you're all locked down in isolation doing your social distancing, all of our trillions of listeners, um, that you can maybe bone up on some reading, start thinking about what kind of world you want to have. Because if you don't, I guarantee you that, you know, the other st- the, the people you might consider your enemies... Um, certainly are. Um, so we'll talk about the Democratic primary a little bit first. Um, obviously, uh, just for the sake of this episode, this is by no means a done deal. The race is not over. Um, this is recorded Tuesday at about 5.45. There are three states voting today. Despite the coronavirus, uh, we have no idea, uh, we being me, Veda, Moose, and producer wife, have no idea how many people are actually going to vote in those things, how legitimate those results will be. Um, it does seem like people are being asked to kind of walk into an infection trap, which is insane. But, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get Joe Biden elected. But, um, you know, the the scenario for Bernie Sanders right now, not great. Um, lost a lot of momentum as the right side of the party has coalesced around uh, Biden. The left wing of the party, uh, the progressive wing, never really coalesced. Um, that really would have only mattered probably before Super Tuesday. You know, there's still a lot of you know, bitching and moaning about whatever Elizabeth Warren did or didn't do, or um, I think, you know, that window was pretty quick and slammed shut and is now irrelevant uh, whether she chooses to endorse Sanders or not, and I have no expectation that she will. Um, You know, a lot of reasons for that. Youth turnout has not been as astronomical as it could have been, um, whereas turnout among people who are older has been pretty significant. Um, and those people break hard for Biden. Um, but, you know, there's some glimmers of hope in that, you know, most people in most states have said they are in favor of the U.S. economy receiving a complete overhaul. Uh, they do think that something like Medicare for all is a necessity. And that was before the pandemic essentially shut down the fucking country. Um, 
We're in Wilmington, North Carolina. There's actually, as of this moment, been no confirmed cases in the city that there are in the county and in, throughout the state. So we know there's probably people around who do not know they're infected but are. Um, other places obviously faring, you know, in much more treacherous waters, San Francisco, New York, on almost complete lockdown. Um, and, the you know, the, the response to this has been kind of predictable, you know, from Trump and that, you know, first... It's a hoax. Second, it's not happening. Third, it's happening, but it's not my fault. Fourth, we're going to have a great plan to fix it. You know, okay, cool. Um, but really, it lays bare this kind of the inadequacy of our current political and economic system. And it's doing that in twofold ways. One, in that the economy is completely crashing. And two, in that the political system has been so far far swifter and far more inclined to help out the economic sector than the individual um, public sector. Uh, we have people, you know, obviously a lot of restaurants have been closed. A lot of cities have shut down all sort of movie theaters, restaurants, bars, event gathering spaces, telling people to stay home, which is wise. Um, but if you can't work from home, and there's a lot of people who can't, um, that kind of means you're uh, a little bit fucked right now. And right now... Um, we don't really have a plan to address that. Um, oddly enough, um, of all fucking people, Mitt Romney has suggested a thousand dollar a month for each adult. I believe UBI, uh, Tom Cotton, again, yikes, has seconded this. And meanwhile, the Democrats are, you know, passing through a, you know, bill that would provide some relief after grinding it through a, Choose greater of means testing and to where, you know, I think the estimate is that 80% of workers wouldn't actually be covered by this paid sick leave that Pelosi's trying to get through. And former presidential candidate and full-time piece of shit uh, Kamala Harris has suggested a $500 a month stipend, which is insane and just completely inadequate. Um, if you're going to tell people not to go to work, not to go to the store, not to get, you know, to go out and do anything... Um, they need money to live. And we've seen, you know, trillions of dollars injected into the stock market to try to get that to boost it, to try to, you know, stabilize that. Whereas we're also, we're not seeing that money given to ventilator manufacturers, um, given to organizations like FEMA or even the U.S. military to set up, you know, quick kind of field hospitals to get more ICU beds on the table. Um, and so you kind of see where the powers that be are taking this and, it's, you know, it's obviously frightening if you're, you know, at home alone hoping you don't get this disease. Uh, watching this unfold, it's, you know, more so frightening if you have a pre-existing kind of condition or any sort of mental health issues. Um, if you have one lung like I do, it's a lot of fun waiting to get this respiratory disease. But um, it also shows you, you know, there's kind of a mask off moment in a nice way to say, you know, if the state isn't there to take care of you, if this, you know... And specifically, you know, again, we assume our quadrillions of listeners are mostly Democratic. If the Democratic Party isn't really here to help you out in this, if they haven't been able to quickly get anything through, and you know, some of this is the Republicans, but I mean, the fact that the Republicans are proposing a more left-wing UBI right now than the Democrats is pretty fucking telling about where their priorities lie. Um, that people haven't, you know, that they haven't got on board with this, that Biden, during the debate, you know, was willing to say, okay, if you have coronavirus, you get covered, but 
you know, what if you just have the bad flu? You think you have coronavirus, you end up hospitalized. Well, okay, then you still got to pay. Um, there's, there's no, there's no idea of them reassessing how we got here. Um, and you get to this kind of interesting spot where it's, if the state, which has been telling you time and time again, you need to vote for us, you need to vote for the lesser of two evils. Um, you know, you get, you know, by all intents and purposes, we're going to be voting for Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. I obviously cannot tell you how to vote if you live in a state where you're going to obviously go blue, like Massachusetts, uh, where I used to live. You know, there's no real incentive to vote for Biden. If you're stuck in North Carolina, um, you probably need to, you know, hold your nose and do it. But there's no real, um, there's no real indication that that's going to be a massive change of things. And the situation we're facing now is going to leave things changed. And so it kind of boils down to this question of if the state and the party are not there to protect you or help you, then what the fuck are they there for? And, you know, this is not, you know, saying take up guns and march in the street because we're supposed to be socially distancing from one another. But there is an idea that this is could be a big turning point and kind of that the Republicans are already kind of, assuming we just go full black pill on Bernie for a second and just say, okay, he's going to lose. Biden's the nominee. Um, who's going to be able to be attacked by Trump from the left and the right? Uh, just like Hillary Clinton was, and, you know, maybe he'll win because the economy's tanking, uh, maybe he'll lose because he's a moron, um, but either way, this idea is we'll just get back, we'll get things back to normal, we'll get things back to the Obama era of normality, which was not working for anybody, and so I think an instructive thing to do right now, and maybe, I guess this is my recommendation outside of apocalyptic instrumental music, would be to check out, if you can, um, preferably online or through some sort of sanitized delivery service, um, the book The Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein, um, where she talks about the concept of disaster capitalism and how this country in particular, but other countries all around the world, um, and this country also interfering in other countries around the world, will exploit disasters like this to heavily privatize uh, everything afterwards. Uh, she spends a lot of time talking about the private school boon um, in the aftermath of Katrina, talks a lot about um, the toppling of Allende's Chile in favor of Pinochet and how the U.S. played a role in that. That was kind of a, you know, laboratory for this kind of democracy, you know, capitalist, hyper, you know, hyper-capitalist sweeping uh, changes. And the, the main thesis is that when there's so much going on, people are so concerned with their own well-being, as they rightfully should be, that corporations and government um, take that time to you know, push through really radical agendas. And I think you're going to start seeing that soon. I mean, there's, we're in the midst of both in physical crisis, you know, the loss of life, pandemic, illness sweeping the country. And, you know, now an economic crisis that's partially piggybacked on that, partially due to oil futures and whatever's going on between Saudi Arabia and Russia that I can't pretend to understand. Um, but you've also seen other countries uh, respond far more appropriately. Uh, you see Spain suddenly has nationalized all of its private hospitals because they needed them. See, France, you know, saw what happened in Italy where there was a delayed response and took more preventative measures to stop the spread quicker. Um, whereas over here, we didn't take it seriously, and now it's kind of blowing up on both coasts and going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. And yet we still haven't seen any idea of kind of this sort of 
heavy investment in the infrastructure we're going to need to combat this thing. You know, we, if you listen to any doctors, you know, read up on some of these articles, we, you know there's not, a lot of, there's not enough ventilators around for people. There might not be enough ICU beds in certain cities. Um, Health care is still, you know, well, everybody's saying this should be free. Uh, it isn't right now. And if you're working in a service industry or something and you have to decide between making rent and, you know, with, well, or going into work with a cough, you might have to pray for the best and just go in. And the fact that there hasn't been the more drastic steps needed, which are completely takeable, you know, these are not far-fetched or draconian measures at all. If we could put a, you know, one and a half trillion dollars in the stock market to try to, you know, stop a drop, we can certainly put a moratorium on, you know, rents and evictions, um, start converting uh, abandoned housing into shelter for the homeless who are going to be, you know, struck pretty heavily by this because they're already out on the street and, you know, not a lot of access to sanitary measures as already. Um, changing up the prison system, maybe letting, you know, a lot of prisoners out because that's a hotbed for just a quick flush through the system of a, you know, an illness. Uh, none of these measures have been taken. And, you know, if it, it can, if it can be done by countries with a GDP far less than ours, then there's no reason our country can't do it. It's not like we don't have the money. You know, if we can, again, you look at the way the stock market crash has been handled, and you say, oh, so we, we kind of just can print money and do this, and we'll balance it out on a deficit later or figure out whatever. But this hasn't happened on the personal level. And, you know, the idea that, you know, is that capitalism cannot stand up to its, you know, cannot serve capitalism's knees buckle under this kind of crisis because there's no market incentive. There's no market incentive to make this drug or an antiviral if you can't price gouge for it. There's, you know, suddenly going to be no demand for things. There's no demand for movies right now. There's no demand on a lot of cities to go out to a bar or restaurant, you know. And so people are finding out pretty quick that this idea of, you know, work as hard as you can and you'll be okay, you know, the kind of capitalist lie is just that, a lie. I mean, situations arise where that is laid bare, and if you don't have a welfare state below that, if you don't have some sort of socialized or nationalized safety net, um... You're on your own. And that's, I think, the way maybe a lot of people feel right now is, you know, I'm not working. You know, a lot of people are estimating they're going to be back at work at two months. Um, this, you know, by all accounts, is probably going to be something that goes on for a couple of, or two weeks, rather. This is going to be something that probably goes on for a couple of months. Um, and a lot of people are going to be wondering, how do I pay my mortgage? How do I pay my rent? You know, how do I afford food? Where do I even buy food? What's the safest method for me to buy food? Should I go to a grocery store with long lines and interact with the people? Should I resort to something like Instacart, which then puts you know the gig economy worker at risk? Um, and so far, we have been completely devoid of any kind of solution for this. And it's not like the solutions aren't there because other countries are already taking these measures. Some of them, like Italy, have taken them too late. Some of them, like France and Spain, are trying to get ahead of the curve. Uh, England seems to be bungling their response fairly drastically. Um... But what I think is going to be important is that, you know, obviously we're, we're in this right now. There's no way there's no way out of it. There's not going to be a point in time where we say, okay, we, we fixed coronavirus. It didn't happen. It's already happening. People have already died. It's, it's going to be around for a little bit. And the economic ramifications are going to be allowed around for potentially quite longer. Um, and I think we need to 
think about, you know, if you are a proponent of any sort of left-wing politics, if you are a Sanders supporter, and again, we're just, for the purposes of this episode, taking the, the dark road and just saying, okay, he loses, he's not the nominee. That does seem increasingly likely. Obviously, everything's up in the air right now. He could win five votes to three in Illinois. We don't know how many people are voting. But let's just say for the sake of arguing that he doesn't do it. Um, we kind of have to look at what comes next. And what comes next needs to be a mass movement of people just, you know, not saying, thank God this is over, but saying, you know, the response to this was completely fucking inadequate. The um, government failed. I mean, it's, it, it has already failed. Whatever it does now is damage control. Um, and the systems that were there to protect us, that we were always told, you know, the free market, you know, the private sector, these things would work, um, was was proven to be false. We, we need that social safety net. We need that welfare state. Um, you know, depending on your political leanings, um, to a different degrees, perhaps, but it is necessary to have. Um, and so once it's, you know, safe to go back outside and get gathering, you know, we probably just need mass movements, mass strikes, mass, you know, pressure for everybody, first of all, who was, you know, taken down by this, you know, lost their job, maybe lost their house, maybe lost their, you know, defaulted on their mortgage to be made whole, first of all, um, or given some sort of leniency, uh, moratorium on collections, things like that. But then to push forward and say, okay, to make sure this doesn't happen again, yeah, we, we need rent control. We need um, we need Medicare for all. We need more access to hospitals in rural areas. We need um, free consultations, things like that. We need services beyond just, I have the coronavirus, so my medical bill was taken care of, as opposed to, you know, and I think uh, Bernie brought this up in the last debate, I have mental health issues and I'm, you know, having some sort of nervous breakdown because of the situation around me. Those bills need to be taken care of, too. Um, we need to start looking at why the primaries kept going on the way they did, which is putting people completely in danger and is completely the fault of the Democratic Party. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a strange time. It, it, you, don't want, you don't want to say it's exciting in the sense that there's opportunity provided because obviously the only reason that the opportunity is provided is because something horrific is happening. But there is this weird sort of opening, leaning towards a, a knowledge that things cannot stand the way they are and potentially need a reordering. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly what that should look like. I don't think anybody is. But I think now is maybe the time to start thinking about that, to get into the mindset of, okay, when this is over, what can I do to make things different? You know, what groups can I get involved with? You know, if we can drop one and a half trillion dollars into the economy. Surveyor had some um, expressing her rage at that number. Yeah, but if we can drop one and a half trillion dollars into the economy, and now that, that number's gone up since then, I'm not keeping tabs on the current numbers, but we, we know it's going up. Uh, where has that money been for climate change research? Where has that money been for green energy? Where has that money, you know, the next crisis is that we already know are on the horizon. Because, you know, the pandemic is bad, but it eventually goes away. You know, you know, unless this is the Black Plague and it comes and kills literally everybody, um, most people will get through this. Um, you know, they'll lose people and that'll be horrible and, you know, people's lives will be, you know, inexorably altered. But, you know, it's not like the fabric of reality will fall away. 
when you're facing more existential threats uh, like climate change, like mass migration driven by that, like um, the rising inequality in the country and, and the world, um, you know, this is a good kind of primer to see how unsuited free market capitalism and, you know, late stage liberalism is at doing anything to combat this besides buckling at the knees and offering the weakest possible solutions. Um, and so, yeah, start thinking about what you need to do, uh, who you can organize with, who you can, you know, what groups you can be a part of, what groups maybe you want to, you can found and start thinking about, okay, how do we push for these changes? How do we get people in the street? How do we get bodies in the street? Because that's really the only way things change if it's not an emergency situation. You know, the, the funny thing here is, you know, people are talking about, well, we suddenly have, you know, if there's the old supply and demand argument, we suddenly have no demand. We just have supply and nobody wants anything because nobody's leaving their house. Nobody can, nobody wants to go out to dinner, even, you know, closing the restaurants. Um, that does not have to exist only in a crisis. Um, likewise, workers working from home are saying my labor is valuable regardless of where I am does not only have to exist in a crisis. Um, people losing their job and saying I need security when I lose my job, that does not only need to happen in a crisis. These things need to happen all the time. And so now is the time to maybe, you know, you're going to be hunkered down, isolated, you know, hopefully not actually quarantined or infected, but maybe you are. Um, and thinking, you know, yeah, watch, watch a lot of TV shows, watch a lot of movies, entertain yourself, keep your spirits up, but also do some reading on, you know, what you, what an alternate version of society can look like, you know, do some reading on, you know, thinkers, ideas, theories of how this could be different and how that can, how that can come about and what you can do to do it, um, there's, you know, no no shortage of revolutionary writing out there. And, you know, that way when this is over, and, you know, we don't know how long it's going to last, hopefully it won't be that bad, and hopefully the economic repercussions afterwards won't be nearly as brutal as 2008, although it's starting to look like they will be. Um, we, you know, start working together to get into action, because it doesn't, you know, we can talk all the time on Twitter and podcasts and, you know, again, I'm not doubting that, you know, every head of state of every major country in the world is listening to this podcast, but um, that doesn't do anything compared to direct action. You know, nobody, no, no matter how many words you use, it's not going to be the same as blocking a subway from moving or blocking a city bus and saying we need to reduce or shutting down the entrance to a financial institution. Um, the action has to happen in the real world. Um, and as we see, likely that, you know, the idea was always that if Bernie Sanders got elected, he would be, you know, as he said, maybe quote unquote, organizer in chief, and there would be, you know, mass movements to pressure the rest of Congress to go with the leftward agenda, kind of a pincer movement. Um, just because he's not going to be the one does not mean that that second half of the platform, um, that mass movement for things like Medicare for all, like basic social welfare, um, doesn't need to happen. It needs to happen even more. It ha needs to happen even harder. Um, and so, you know, use this time, um, not suggesting anything violent, obviously, um, but just, you know, get your mind ready, get your ideas ready. And um, when, when it's safe to open up the doors, um, 
you know, look out and try to, you know, literally change the world. Because otherwise, then fucking sat at home and watched a bunch of people die and a bunch of money get spent and it was all for fucking nothing. And that's, that's not great. So, you don't want to, you don't want to end this with the regret of I could have done more. Um, if anything, you want to say I did as much as I could. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I did as much as I could to make the world better. And uh, I suppose by our next podcast, we'll be back to movies. I'll probably be binge-watching all sorts of fun stuff since every movie theater is closed. Um, so we'll be talking about some real old gems. But until then, you know, get reading, get studying, stay safe, but, you know, stay vigilant and get ready to fucking rock when this thing is over. Thank you.